it is a new year, and with a new year, that means it is time for New Year's resolutions. You know, this year, I'm actually disappointed because I don't have some great, huge New Year's resolution. You may. So we're not going to talk about me with the New Year's resolution. We're going to talk about you for a moment. I can say, David, that doesn't make sense. Um, we're not here in the sanctuary for you to joke with us. Well, that's fine. So we'll have to do a little interaction this way. So I want you to think about maybe the resolution you've done this year, maybe in another year. Jot it down. Think about it for a moment. What was successful about it? How long were you able to do it? Now, here's what's interesting. We have a lot of really smart people in our world. It's great. But here's the thing. Because there's a lot of really smart people, they like to do studies about everything. Like, not just the things that matter, but things like New Year's resolutions. So every year, there's actually new research done about New Year's resolutions. It used to be, you may remember a couple years ago, we had Train Your Brain was a thing we did uh, at the beginning of the year. Before that, we did New, new Year, New You. Um, and, and those were based on the ideas of 28 days made a habit. Well, some new research, and I'm not saying the other's thrown out, but here's what the new stuff is saying. The make it or break it moment is the second Friday in January. So I was thinking, okay, that's confusing because New Year's Day was the first Friday in January. So are they counting that or not? But whether or not, whether it's seven-ish days or 14-ish days, we're going to round it off and call it like 10 days. So the first 10-ish days of the new year are the make it, break it time for the resolutions. So basically, the idea is if I can get to that point, I'm going to be able to keep going. Now, I was thinking about that, and I was thinking, okay, so I wish I would have had maybe a New Year's resolution when I was younger about biting my nails, right? Because I still do it. I'm 31 years old, so I'm raising my daughter. Hopefully, she won't. But here's the thing. 10, 28 days makes a habit, but if I could have gone that first 10 days, maybe... I would have nice, beautiful nails that I'd be filing. I don't know. I digress. But think about your resolutions and think about getting to that second Friday in January. We're going to come back to this. But just think about that for a moment. What does it take to get to that second Friday in January? We're starting a new sermon series on a guy named Daniel. Now, last week, we looked at a guy named Joseph, the father of Jesus. And what was amazing about Joseph is he's he kind of fits into that idea of the everyman, the person that we can all identify with. Joseph isn't particularly fast or handsome or strong or remarkable. Or, and he's just an ordinary guy who does the right thing. Daniel is really different. Daniel is not someone we can necessarily identify with. Daniel's someone more we can look up to and say, wow, I want to be more like Daniel. Because there's literally two main big characters in the Bible that nothing negative is ever said about them. Now, let's see if you can guess who they are. Number one is Daniel, yes. Okay, and the other one is Jesus. Now, we're not saying that Daniel was sinless like Jesus by any means. He definitely messed up. But Daniel's someone we can really look to. And that's why I'm titling this message A Blueprint for 2021. Because right at the beginning, we heard the scripture, right at the beginning of this, you're going to immediately see that Daniel has to accept a whole different reality. He's got to make some resolutions, and he's got to renew a steadfastness to his godly habits. So I, I joke, and I say that note-takers are history makers. So jot this down. Three words for this week. Three words for the next 10 days. The month doesn't matter. The year. Here's going to be our blueprint. 
recognize, resolve, and renew. We'll say those again. We're going to recognize, we're going to resolve, and we're going to renew. This is what Daniel does in the first chapter. And it sets him up for success, not only for a 10-day period, then a three-year period, then his entire life. Because he recognizes something, he recognizes his context, he resolves to live with integrity, and he renews his commitment to godly habits. And we're going to look at how, with a resolution, so often we want to get to the habit, but we don't do the work before. We don't understand that habits only work if we live in the real world. We only can do a habit and sustain it for that 10-day period, the 28-day period, the three-year period, whatever. We can only do that if we're committed to the right things and if we resolve and resolve in the right way. So to sum up this text today, we read it before, and I encourage you, we're going to be doing a Daniel challenge. Um, you're going to read it tomorrow. Day one of the Daniel challenges is Daniel chapter 1. Here's summing up this text. You got four guys, four young men. They refuse to compromise themselves, and they simultaneously become both wiser and more culturally relevant, again, while refusing to compromise themselves. Now, wouldn't that be amazing if we could do that? We often look and say, you know, the only way to stay true is I got to be weird. Well, Daniel shows us a way that you can become wiser, you can seek God's wisdom, you can become culturally relevant. You'll see he's going to be really admired by the king and all sorts of other people, but he never compromises his integrity. And so here's the big idea for today. If Daniel is a blueprint for how we can live, let's live a Christ-centered life no matter the context. We worry about time or settings or our emotions or circumstances. Those don't matter. No matter the time, no matter the date, no matter the place, no matter our feelings, we can live a Christ-centered life today. We've got to recognize that things have changed. We've got to resolve and we got to renew our commitment to godly habits. So let's look at this first part. In the first seven verses, we're not going to go back, but again, Daniel challenge, you'll get to look at them. Uh, first seven verses show us that we need to recognize our context. We have to live in the real world. Now, rather than starting with the text, I want to start with the dog. Okay? So there's a new puppy in the Cushing family. And her name is Elsa. Elsa recognizes her context. She came in, and here's what happened. The dog came into the house. We have pre-established family culture, all sorts of things, and we have this other dog. My dog's name is Annie. Now, Annie used to be the little dog. Now Michelle is gone, and now Annie is the big, older dog. Not for long. Elsa is a boxer puppy, and she's going to get huge, but Annie doesn't know this. So right now, we have the great and glorious Annie walking around. Elsa has to figure out how to work in the context of Annie being there. Now, what's interesting, our dog is weird, and we're weird, so we gave her literally her own spot in different houses, Annie, her place where her dog bowl is and no one goes. I have a 14-month-old daughter. Ruby does not go near the dog's dog bowl. That is her sacred space. So, Elsa, when she first got in, we were like, okay, what's going to happen when Elsa tries to go over to Annie's dog bowl? This is going to be very interesting. So Elsa did. She walked right in, 
greeted everybody, went right over to the dog bowl. Now, Annie's, I don't want to call her a tyrant, but she definitely is very self-defined. And she, she made it very clear to Elsa that this was not acceptable behavior for coexisting in their house. And here's the thing. Elsa kind of backed off. And you know what she hasn't gone near? The dog bowl. It doesn't really bother her. She just doesn't go near the dog bowl. She's recognized her context. So if a dog can recognize their context, so can we. Let's learn the wisdom of the dogs. All of life is lived in context. I like to think of them as before and after moments. Now, the famous before and after moment, I was in seventh grade when 9-11 happened. Some of us were older than that. Some of us were younger. Seventh grade, and I can think of the world pre-9-11 and post-9-11. Things were very different. And here's the thing. It's not just historical moments. There's before and after moments in all parts of our lives, whether it's before and after a birth of a child, a wedding, a funeral, etc., a loss of a job. There's these moments where we have to recognize things change, and it is what it is. Let's look at what Daniel does. So the location had changed. Daniel and his friends had been pulled. They were the best and brightest. They were pulled by the conquering Babylonian army out of Judah, and they were taken over to Babylon. They're literally in a new place. Also, their names were changed. So it wasn't just their location. Their names, Daniel, the last two letters, E-L, are representative of God. He had a God-centered name. His name is changed to Belteshazzar. You also see that the other guys, they all have, they become Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those are all names that glorify kind of the new context. So they had these changes that happened to them. Names matter. You know, it, it's hard when someone calls us a name we don't want to be called, but they just recognize it's different. You know, I, I think at work, I often joke with my wife, there's two groups of people at work that I work with. There's the people who know that I like to be called David, and there's the people who think I like to be called Dave. No, it's no big deal, but names matter. But they Daniel just understood things have changed, and that's okay. They're going to call me Belteshazzar now. It is what it is. Not a big deal. The wardrobe was changed. The text talks about how they clothe these guys in all different clothing. Now, when I was in high school, when I was Danielish's age, I was one of those kids who wore my Abercrombie & Fitch with the, the collar up. I actually, I don't know if you remember this, in 2005, we would get multiple polos, and we'd have them all with a popped collar, and you'd have like three colors, and they'd all go together. And you'd have these like three skinny little polos. Now, if you would have given me emo clothing at the time, I would have been outraged, but Daniel wasn't. He said, you want to give me new clothes? Okay, I'm going to recognize my context. The literature and language had changed. The text talks about the literature and language of the Chaldeans. We're going to get into this a little bit later, but biblical historians referred to the literature and, la and the language of the Chaldeans as a completely alien thought bubble for Daniel. A completely alien thought world. Also, Judah had been conquered, the temple was plundered, the best and the brightest were now serving Babylon. So things were different. We too need to recognize our context. Maybe this year, good... When I say this year, I mean last year, 2020. This year is 2021. Hooray, we're, we made it. So maybe we've had a change in marital status, maybe in a good way. We've had a number of weddings in this church. Hooray, I can think of at least three. 
How awesome. So exciting. Clap, clap, clap. Hooray. But that's a new context. There's a before and after moment. Things have changed. If we try to live in the old, it's not going to make sense. Things are different. Maybe it's changed in another way. Maybe you've had a move. Children are a before and after moment. You know, the language in the literature of the Chaldeans is referred to as a completely alien thought world. I will tell you that raising a child, going from not having a kid in your life to raising a child is a completely alien thought world. And parents will agree with me. It's a whole different thing. There's a new language we have to understand. We have to baby-proof everything. It's all totally, totally different. There's all sorts of different ways. Job changes. Culture is changing around us. And yes, there is a pandemic. We have to recognize our context. But the thing with our context is it is what it is. Whether I like my context or I hate my context, it's not really going to change it. It's going to change how I feel about it. it, may change my actions, but I can't control what's going on around me. I can just control me. There's a myth of if we work harder, we can get back there. There's, there's this idea that, oh, if we simply band together, we can get back to the way things were. Well, this isn't true. Because in life, there's never really a golden age. For Israel, so Daniel and his buddies are in Babylon, so there's no golden age of Israel and Judah to get back to. Let's be honest. Let's look at three characters real quick. Moses? Okay. So when they were with Moses, Moses literally directly got God's word for them, brought them down on the mountain, and the people had all decided that they were going to reject God and make their own. And then they wandered for 40 years, and then the whole time they complained and said, oh, we don't want to be here, we want to go back to slavery in Egypt. That wasn't a golden age. Okay, what about the time of David? So maybe that was the golden age for Israel. Well, except for the fact, a couple things, we'll just pick two. David decided to have an affair, and to cover it up, he had the person he had the affairs with, husband, murdered. Okay, doesn't sound like a golden age, and... There was a civil war where David's army had to fight his son's army, and his son was put to death, and that doesn't sound like a golden age either. Okay, Solomon. Everyone says, oh, Solomon was the wisest. This must be the golden age. Okay, yes, Solomon was the wisest person who ever lived, except for the fact that he loved building idols, and he had a farcical number of wives and romantic relationships, so that really wasn't a golden age either. There wasn't ever a golden age for Israel. Life was always just kind of complicated. For us, for our nation, there was no golden age pre-pandemic. I remember life a year ago. It wasn't some utopia. Yes, people were together and they weren't socially distanced. But you know what I remember? I remember standing in the supermarket and people screaming at each other right in front of me about the number of items in their basket. I remember going to the park and people yelling at each other about their dogs. So, yeah, things were different, but it wasn't necessarily better because life is always complicated. I don't necessarily want to go back to normal. I want to look forward, but if we have a before and after moment, I don't want to just work harder to get back to where we were. We want to continue to recognize our context and move forward. And I'm going to say something three times, and I'd like you to jot this down. The past was as complicated as the present. I'm going to say that again. The past for Daniel, for us, for our nation, for our world, was as complicated as the present, and once again, the past was as complicated as the present. We have to accept the new. So we got to recognize the context, and now look, 
We have to resolve to live with integrity. This comes out of verse 8. Now, there's a word used here, the Hebrew word for resolve. It talks about how Daniel resolved himself not to defile himself. So resolve comes from a Hebrew word that means to set down upon. It literally is the ancient world idea of you're a military leader and you're carrying a bunch of stuff. Your stuff is you've got your swords and your weapons. You've got your gear and your provisions. You've got your people that you command. You've got the horses and the donkeys and etc. You got all that stuff. You got to set down somewhere, but you can only set down a few times because every time you set down, you build an encampment. So what you look for is you say, I'm going to find the high ground that's either going to let me attack from there and I'm going to hold it at all costs because that's, that is the place to grab or it's the safest place to build my stronghold because we're going to be able to defend ourselves the best. Either way, you've got to pick the spot to set down upon. An expression I often use in my life is what hill am I willing to die on? Now, for most things, I say not this one. But for Daniel, integrity was the hill he was willing to set down upon, the hill he was willing to die on. If you remember before, this past year showed us that if we resolve to do things outside of our control, we're going to fail. There's a trending internet video where there's a comedian who, who's kind of laugh crying, and she's talking about, she's reading all of her resolutions from last year, and she says, oh, I wanted to make more money, but I've been unemployed as a comedian since March. And then she says, well, I, I wanted to travel more. Yeah, that didn't happen. I wanted to be more social. When we try to resolve things outside of our control, they're not going to work. For Daniel, he resolved to set down on integrity and nothing else. He wasn't going to compromise on what actually mattered. The things that were outside of his control, he'd say they are what they are. He realized he could live with integrity in his context. If you remember, I briefly mentioned a thing, the language and literature of the Chaldeans. Here's the deal with those people. The Chaldeans were a group of people that were so inherently magical that the magicians in the court aren't referred to as magicians necessarily, they're referred to as the Chaldeans. Their very language is a completely alien thought world to a Jewish person and to us. But Daniel didn't decide, oh, that culture is offensive, I'm going to stay away from that. He said, you know what? I can exist in my cultural context. I can become fluent and literate in the language and literature of the Chaldeans. And I can choose what I'm not going to back down on. I'm not going to say, no, I'm, I'm refusing to become culturally relevant. Instead, I'm going to refuse to defile myself and eat the wrong things and not follow God's law. But literally, later in Daniel chapter 4, he's literally referred to as the chief of the magicians. He literally becomes like the head honcho of the Chaldeans. Not because he compromises himself, but he gets that you got to pick one hill to set down upon, pick integrity, and we can work on the other stuff. We can, we can make it work. And so with us, when we're thinking of resolutions, we want to make Daniel resolutions. We want to make resolutions of things that are actually in our control. If we're resolving, let's resolve integrity and stop worrying about all the other stuff. So here's a Daniel resolution. 
We may say, oh, this next year, I want to spend more time with my children, if my children are grown up. The problem is, is technically, that's outside of my control. My children, if they're grown up, I, I have a 14-month-old, so I'll talk about your children. But if I have children, they can choose to come and see me or not. They can choose to have me in their life or not. They can choose to travel or not. They can choose to FaceTime me, whatever. So I can't really control if I spend more time with them. Here's a Daniel resolution. I'm going to be available. So if my family members come around and if I have a chance to see them, I'm not going to be distracted by my phone or my concerns about work or my concerns about everything else. I'm going to be available. I'm going to live with integrity. And these are the kind of resolutions that if we set upon, let's set down upon being available, not spending time with our children. Let's set down upon living a Christ-centered life, understanding our context. Let's not set down upon saying, I'm going to travel this year. Let's say, I'm going to be open to the experiences God is putting in my life. Let's set down with integrity. Because Daniel was willing to make his decisions the right way, based in integrity. And then he, there's this great phrase that a friend of ours uses. She says, when I make a decision, I wrap it up with a bow and I let it go. And Daniel did that. He literally said, you know, I understand there's inherent risk. Because remember, there's a 10-day period where he's got to see if this is going to work out. And they test the young guys to see if it's going to work for 10 days. And he says, you know what? No matter what, this is the battle I'm willing to pick. I'm willing to live with integrity, and if there's a cost to that, there's a cost. We see later in the book of Daniel, you've got the three buddies, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Oh, remember, they accepted their context. Those aren't their real names. Those are their changed names. They just accepted it. But what they set down upon was integrity, and they said, we're not going to bow down to the idol. And if God saves us, that's amazing. And even if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow down to the idol. They set down upon integrity. They resolved to live the right way. And that brings us back to the idea from last week, reasonably happy. So many times the wrong New Year's resolutions, it's because we're pursuing perfect happiness. It sounds amazing to go to New Zealand and tour the Lord of the Rings set and dress up like Legolas. Maybe that doesn't sound amazing for you, but it does for me. Um, it sounds amazing to go do that, but I don't necessarily need to do that to live a good life. I need to be reasonably happy. Daniel didn't have to have everything back the way it was. He didn't have to go before the before and after moment. He just had to say, I'll be reasonably happy now. I'll live with integrity. I'll set down upon what I can, living with integrity, choosing to live the right way. And the other stuff, you know, sometimes it's annoying that they throw me in a lion's den. That's kind of irritating. Sometimes it's annoying that all of these other magicians are, they're coming after me and that's kind of annoying. But I'm going to live with integrity the right way and not worry about it. We can be reasonably happy when we live with integrity. And so if Daniel, especially Daniel 1, is a blueprint for living in 2021, let's recap. We recognize our context. Daniel did that. He understood that life was different. There was a before and after moment. Things had changed. We can do the same thing. We've had before and after moments. The world is not the same. Our lives are not the same. Me personally, selfishly, I'm a dad now. That's different. But then we resolve not to make these resolutions outside of our control, 
not to travel more, but to be more available. Resolve to live with integrity. And that gets us to the resolution, the habit, right? We said, got to get to 10 days, got to get to the second Friday in January. So the third one is renew godly habits. Daniel and his friends renewed their diet. Now, what was amazing about their resolutions when they went to this new place, these weren't brand new things. These weren't, I've never gone skiing in my life. This wasn't me waking up in Babylon saying, hey, I'm going to become a skier now. There's no base to build that on. But they had a history and a heritage of prayer and of eating the right way and following God's commandments and fasting and banding together and supporting each other and living in integrity. And so that is the habits. Those are the habits they picked. They said, we're going to renew what we've already had. I know for me, my most successful resolutions I've ever done have been something like, at the beginning of the pandemic, I decided I was going to start running again. I was renewing the fact that when I was in high school, I was a runner. For us, when we renew our godly habits, they're more successful. Think about this. Daniel prayed three times a day. That wasn't the first time he started praying. He'd grown up praying, and he made a commitment, hey, I'm going to pray three times a day while I'm in captivity. Now, that got him sent to the lion's den. He survived. But even if he hadn't survived, he was still saying, I'm going to set upon this hill, and I'm going to pray three times a day. And that's really what's amazing about when we see those before and after moments in our lives, is that we have an opportunity to renew our godly habits. So I would love to say that Laura, Laura is my wife, that Laura and I have lived the, these perfect, wonderful Christian lives without sin. We have not. I would love to say that our marriage has been perfect, blissful, without sin, amazing. Make a film of it and have everyone study and watch it. You should be more like us. Don't do that. We make boneheaded, knuckleheaded bad decisions like everyone else does. We're flawed. We are sinners. We need Jesus. We need the cross. Period. And so instead of just saying, okay, we're having kids. Great. We've messed up our lives and we're sinners and we've messed up um, our marriage. Well, sounds like we're going to be bad parents too. We said, you know what? Let's renew our godly habits. Let's take this as the moment. Can't control anything in the past. Not saying we were awful, but we definitely weren't perfect. And saying, okay, let's recommit to pray with our child. So, and I don't say this in a boastful way because we can keep doing better on this, but we pray three times a day with Ruby. In the morning, we do, um, when one of us is leaving to take her to grandma's house for the morning, um, we have a prayer, and she knows that when we pray, she does praying hands. We do that at dinner, and we do that before bed because we have these moments in our lives where we have a chance to renew our habits, but you don't need to wait for the birth of a child to renew your habits. It's never too late. Anytime you can renew your godly habits is a good time. Today works. Oh, you missed January 1st. Okay. Oh, you feel like you need permission to, okay, I'm going to give you permission. If you need permission, this is me giving you permission. Today is a great day. Let's renew our godly habits. Let's understand our context. Let's resolve to live with integrity. Let's make the right kind of resolution. And now, today's a great day to do it. It's never too late to get back into relationship with God. 
The reason I mentioned the second Friday in January at the beginning is because it's about getting into a rhythm. For Daniel and his friends, they had to prove the concept. They had to show that this was going to work because the king's servant was all worried. Oh, if, if I let you follow this and you end up getting sick, the king is going to have me beheaded. So they had a 10-day period to prove the concept. Let's take the next 10 days, month, this early time in January to say, you know what? It's not too late to renew my godly habits. And so that is why we've come up with the Daniel challenge in our church. So for the next, it's not just 10 days. We're going to give you a little more than 10 days. But for the next 24 days, we're going to commit to read a chapter a day of Daniel. There's 12 chapters, 24 days. You get to read the whole book twice. Tomorrow, after listening to this message, you get to now reread Daniel 1 and say, okay, wow, they were able to really look at this and they were able to say, okay, I can accept that things are different and things have changed. I can recognize my context. I can resolve to live with integrity and I can renew my godly habits. And so for this 24-day period, Let's use it as a time to get into a rhythm, to really jumpstart living the right way. And so we're going to end with a song today, and it talks about building our life the right way. We don't want to build our life with those expectations of things that are out of our control, right? The travel more, there's nothing I can do, but to be available, I can. And so as we sing this song, I just want us to realize that we're not being called to build our lives on our expectations or on any sort of thing that is here today, gone tomorrow. Daniel did not do that. Daniel did not build his life on the fact that he wanted to get back to Israel. Daniel did not say, oh, I'm, I'm going to do this because if, if I'm able to master my diet, I'm able to manipulate the situation, and things are going to be back the way they were before. No, instead... He said, I'm going to build my life the right way. I'm going to build my life on integrity. And God's got it. God's in control. So let's pray together. Father, you've called us in this strange time and difficult time to be faithful. You've called us to live with integrity. So I ask that this day, for those of us who need to renew a commitment to you and to your son, that we would acknowledge we are sinners. We would acknowledge we fall short. We would acknowledge that our context doesn't need to define us. All of us fall short of the glory of God. All of us need Jesus and all of us need the cross. And so today and each day, as we build these habits, as we establish this rhythm, that that rhythm would be integrity in you, renewing our willingness to just be disciples, to be humble, and to follow.